Irma Brombeck says this, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but never gets you anywhere. Pretty good, huh? Worry is a little bit like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with this thing called worrying, huh? So what are you worried about? My guess is you're probably worried about something. Maybe you're not, which is great, but my guess is many of us, we are worried, we're anxious about, uh, about something. It may be, you may be worried about your finances, maybe worried about your future, maybe worried about your finances, maybe worried about your finances, maybe worried about what you're going to do, maybe worried about are you going to be accepted, maybe you're worried about am I going to find the right person to marry, maybe you're worried about your marriage, maybe you're worried about your children, maybe, maybe you're worried about some health issue, maybe you're worried about the planet. Maybe you're worried about things going on in the world today. Maybe you're worried about some injustice that's taking place. Um, maybe you're a bit like me. You're worried about worrying. <laughs> you ever do that? Why do I worry all the time? You're worried about because I worry so much. So my guess is we all are worried about some things. A lot of people, which is another issue, take medication to help them. With their, with their worrying. Worrying is a big thing in, in our society. We, we, we worry a lot. I worry. I'm one of these people that worry. And then Jesus comes along and says, don't worry. Well, that's not very helpful in one sense. I know I'm not supposed to worry, but he says, don't worry. Like, okay, command, don't worry. Makes me more worried because I'm not obeying what Jesus said. But Jesus, because he loves us, he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't stop there just saying, don't worry. He also tells us how we, to help us not to worry. In fact, he really kind of wants to help us change our patterns so we don't have to worry. He wants to, I don't know remedy is the right word, but he wants to give us a remedy to help us not to worry. And I think that's pretty helpful. And he talks about that in the Bible, and it's actually found in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 12. So I invite you to open up your Bibles or turn your Bibles on if they're on your phone to Luke chapter 12, please. Luke chapter 12. And it's been about a month, five weeks since we've been in the Gospel of Luke, but we're in this series in the Gospel of Luke. And we've been in it for quite a while, and we're still going to be in it for a long time. But we're in right now, uh, just a bit of a review, the middle section of Luke. And the middle section of Luke runs from the end of chapter 9 to about the end of chapter 19. And a lot of people call that, you know, scholars and that call that the, the journey section. So Jesus is on a journey. Remember this? This is a little bit review here. But Jesus is on a journey, and he's traveling somewhere, right? And where is he traveling? He's heading to where? Jerusalem, because he's going to die on the cross for our sins. So he's on this journey, and not only is Jesus on the journey, but he says, hey, if you want to be my follower, do you want to be my follower? You want to be Jesus' disciple? Then he says, travel with me on this journey, and I'll actually teach you, I'll show you what it means to be a disciple, to be my follower. And one of the things he does is that he tells us stories, lots of stories in the gospel. We have lots of stories in this traveling journey section. And so I'm calling this part, this series in Luke, this part of Luke, uh, Jesus the storyteller. And we're in Luke chapter 12, 
And I'm going to be reading verses 22 to 34. Something really exciting is the kids downstairs, they're doing this passage today. In fact, they're going to be journeying with us over the next few months in the Gospel of Luke. That's pretty cool. And also the youth are doing this passage as well. So parents, uh, you have the opportunity to talk with your kids today about the exact same passage we're hearing up here, they're hearing downstairs. That's pretty cool, right? So something to be thinking about. And the kids have a booklet as well. It's a little different than ours, but they have a booklet, Jesus the Storyteller. So hopefully you have a Luke chapter 12 found, and I'm going to read a Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to look at verses, well, we're going to read verses 22 to 34. Okay, Luke 12, 22. Here we go. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no store or a barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Verse 27, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for treasure for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes in and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's as far as we'll read. It's a great passage. Some of you are familiar with this passage. It's familiar. Uh, Matthew has something very similar in the Gospel of Matthew. But Jesus uh, he, he begins, I mean, it's pretty clear what he says, right? What's the word that's kind of repeated, I think, five times? What's the key word that's repeated five times? Worry, that's right. So do not worry. So it's interesting, if you were here about five weeks ago, we were looking at the passage before this, where the parable of the rich fool, remember that chocolate chip cookie, and the whole thing, why do you have more than you need? Because to bless those who are in need. So he's talking about the rich farmer there, right? About uh, being rich towards God. And there he's talking to the whole crowd. But now if you look at the context, verse 22, who is Jesus talking to? Look in your Bibles. Who's he speaking to? Disciples. Do you have your Bibles open? Okay, good. So verse 22, it says he's speaking to his disciples. So he's moved away from the crowd and just, you know, the the masses. And now he's talking to disciples, to you, to me, to us, to those who are followers of Jesus. And he says to them, he has this kind of one, part of his message is really simple, really clear. And this is part of my message. His message is part of it is do not worry. Do you see that? So he says it for the, he says it five times. First time he says in verse 22, do not worry about your life. 
And then the second time, he says it in verse, um, verse 23, sorry, verse 25. Uh, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Then 26, why do you worry about the rest? says it for the fourth time in verse uh, 29. Do not worry about this stuff. And says it in verse 32. He calls on worry's cousin, fear. And he says, do not be afraid. So five times he kind of goes over this. He says, do not worry. Do not be afraid. It's interesting. I'm not sure if this is true. I've heard people say this over the years. But I've heard that of all the commands in the Bible, the command, do not worry, do not be afraid, is the most repeated command in the Bible. I've heard this, I'm not sure, i do not not sure this too, but I hear it said 365 times. So one day for every year to remind us, do not worry. Whether or not it's repeated a lot, this command, do not be afraid, do not worry, do not be anxious. And the, and the truth is we do, right? I mean... Anyone here worry? Or is it just me? I'm up here by myself today. Anyone here worry? Okay, I, I worry. At least I worry. I know I worry. I worry. I get anxious about these things. I've told you. I've shared with you in the past about these things. And Jesus says, do not worry. Now, in Jesus' audience, he says to these people, do not, do not worry about food. You know, where your food's coming for the day. Anyone here worried about that today? Anyone, I mean, worried, you're worked up, seriously, you're afraid, you're anxious about whether you're going to have a meal today. Okay, there may be some people out there, uh, but my guess is that's not true for most of us, right? We're not worried about that. Our problem is, for some, we just eat too much, right? That's, that's a different concern. And in that, but then Jesus' day, they were worried about that. They were worried about whether they're going, where their next meal was going to come from. And they were worried whether they're going to have enough clothes, right? Because some of them only had one extra garment, and that was it. So they were worried about those things. We're not worried about that stuff, but we're worried, right? Our problem, we live in a different time, but we're worried. We're worried, worried about family. We're worried about children. We're worried about finances. We're worried about, worried about retirement. We're worried, do I have enough money for that? How much debt I had? We're worried about the future. We're worried about the planet. We're worried about what's going on in the world today. We're worried about, is Donald Trump going to get reelected? We're worried about all, we're worried about a lot of things, but, but um, it's still, we're worried. And so what Jesus addressed 2,000 years ago to his audience, do not worry, is still relevant. It's amazing. Still relevant 2,000 years later. We're worried about different things, but he still says, guess what? Do not worry. Okay, so that's the first part. Pretty clear? That's pretty clear. Do not worry. But not overly helpful because I know I shouldn't worry. So Jesus tells us, he kind of makes his point, is that this is pretty clear also. Do not worry because God cares for you. Just say that with me. Do not worry because God cares for you. Somebody in the back didn't say that. Say it with me. Do not worry because God cares for you. That's, that's part of his message. And like any kind of good preacher, he has that idea. And then what does he do? He gives us some illustrations to illustrate that big idea. Do not worry because God cares for you. So that's, then he goes on to illustrate that, right? So he says... And let's see here. He says in verse 24. So the word consider is the word ponder. Hmm. Hmm. Ponder. Hmm. Think about. Consider. So then he says, ponder. Consider ravens. What? 
Okay, Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, boy, did you see that game yesterday? Lamar Jackson, man, I can't believe that. I was so disappointed. No, 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 not the Baltimore Ravens. No, he says, consider Ravens, you know, the bird. And I'm like, come on, like, what? I never consider Ravens. They're ugly. Why would I ever consider Ravens? This is Jesus' book on how not to worry. Chapter 1. Consider ravens. What? What about breathing techniques? What about, you know, Medicaid? What? Consider ravens. Well, yeah, he says consider ravens. Okay, it's kind of, okay, it's Jesus, so consider ravens. So ravens, are man, they're just, I don't know, they're ugly. I, I, they're just, I mean, for me, they're just ugly birds. I, they are not appealing at all. They're like big crows, you know that? And they make different sounds. I was listening to the different sounds this week. But they're just, they're not nice birds. Ravens. Wow. Huh? You know, and what's even interesting is that in the Old Testament, they're considered unclean birds. So Jesus is saying to his Jewish disciples here, consider something you wouldn't normally consider. Okay. Consider ravens. Okay. What does that have to do about helping me with not worrying? <laughs> well, he says, consider ravens. And then he, he says, consider them because they do not sow or reap, verse 24, um, and they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? So, I mean, when I think, of, I would never think of ravens to help me with worrying. I think of birds, and I think of Alfred Hitchcock movie. The bird, one of the most scary movies I've ever watched. I don't think of ravens and birds to help me with my worrying. But Jesus, consider the ravens. Because they're kind of the bottom of the barrel when it comes to creation in one sense. But consider them. Because they're not farmers. They don't sow and they don't reap. You know that? They're not like farmers who kind of sow and work hard and planting. And then, you know, whenever it's harvest time, working hard to gather. Ravens don't do that. You know what ravens do? God somehow just provides food for these unclean birds. And so consider them. They don't even have storehouses. They don't, you know, gather their food and store for a rainy day. They, God just provides the food for them. And so here's my, remember the, the point is, God, don't worry because why? Because God cares for you. So he's his raven. The ravens are kind of the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the creation. But how much more valuable are you that God is going to provide the basic needs of your life? So chapter 1, consider ravens, don't worry. Because God cares for you. And then he kind, of, he kind of goes on, and then he says, here's my second illustration, right? So the idea, what? What's the idea? Don't worry, because what? Because God cares for you. God provides you. Have, you know, just think about it. You are more, way more valuable than any of God's creation. So God is going to care for you. His second illustration is in verse 27. He says, consider, ponder, flowers. Now again, people here who like, who likes flowers? Okay, and flowers, good. Like, I don't consider flowers. Personally, I don't consider flowers very often. So it's sort of like, you know, how to deal with worrying according to Jesus, right? Chapter one, what? Consider ravens. Okay. Chapter two in his book, consider flowers. 
Okay, but he says, here's the point. Remember, Jesus says, Jesus said, God, don't worry, because, don't worry about the basic things of life, because God cares for you. So consider the ravens, but also here, secondly, consider the flowers. And he talked about how the flowers, they're just beautiful. You see, uh, I mean, they're just gorgeous. This is, I think, just outside of Agassiz during the, the flower festival, and they're beautiful colors, and boy, they are amazing, and they have wonderful colors, and they, the flowers don't worry about how they're clothed. I mean, they don't, they're not worried about, does this color match or, you know, conflict with that color? They're not worried, is this petal going to make me look a little too heavy, too tall, too slender? They don't worry about those things. Flowers, you know, they don't, they don't read Cosmopolitan. And they don't read GQ magazine. They, they have never taken a course with Stella McCartney on fashion design. They don't worry about any of that stuff. God's just made them with these beautiful, beautiful, clothed them with these beautiful colors. And he said they're more beautiful than even Solomon and all his stuff. So Solomon, Old Testament, rich guy, you know, with the king. And he had, he had incredible garments. But God is saying the flowers... He then says the grass are here today and then thrown in the fire, which simply is, you know, it's temporary. They're here today and that you throw grass in the fire in those days to get some heat. But God clothed the flowers. God made the beauty of the flowers. So consider, just, just take a moment to, to ponder flowers. To think about flowers and how God has made the flowers so beautiful. He's clothed them with such beauty. And then he says, if flowers, you know, they're here today, gone tomorrow. How much more valuable are you, Gary, (laughs) Grace? How much more valuable are you than flowers, according to God? So don't worry. Don't worry, because God is going to provide for you. Don't worry, because God is going to look after you your basic needs. Don't get stressed out about those things. Don't worry. That's kind of his idea because God cares for you. And then, you know, he kind of throws in a few extra things. He says, you know, who by worrying will add, you know, an hour to your life. And we know that's not true. In fact, we know today by worrying, if anything, you're going to probably die sooner, right? Because of stress and all those things. So there's no point. Don't worry, God cares for you and he'll look after the basic needs of your life. And then it's kind of interesting, he kind of goes off, kind of in verse, you go to verse 32, and you look at verse 32, he says, do not be afraid. So here again, do not worry, do not be fear, don't, don't be so anxious, don't be anxious about things, you know. These basic things we get worried about, I get worried about. And important things, oh where are we going to meet? In June, after the church, this church, the lease is up on this building. Jesus, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the planet. Don't, don't get stressed about that. Don't worry about will you have enough money for retirement. Don't worry. I mean, it sounds so simple, but that's what Jesus is saying. Don't worry about the basic things of life because God cares for you. And then what does he call you? In verse 32, he said, do not be afraid, little flock. Now, let's be honest here. If any animal has a, has a reason to be afraid, it's what? It's little lambs, right? I mean, you know, you never hear a news report, you know, you hear, you know, cougar on the loose. Watch out. Grizzly bear. Polar bear on the loose. Watch out. Have you ever heard a news report? 
Little lambs on the loose. Watch out. Be afraid. No. If a little lamb comes to my house, I say, come on in, little lamb. I want to pet you. You know, nice little lamb, right? And we're not afraid of, if any animal has a reason to be afraid, it's little lamb. But Jesus says, he calls us lambs because lambs are, well, you know, sheep are stupid, right? You know that. And, uh, and you know, we, we're wandering, we're lost, and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You who are vulnerable, don't be afraid. If anyone, any animal should be afraid, it's little lamb. But he says, don't be afraid. Don't worry about all these things. That right now, you're, you're not even listening to me. You're worried about those things. Don't worry about that stuff. Because your heavenly Father cares for you. So don't worry. And then he, kind of, he throws this in too, which is a bit of an out. He says in verse um, 28, so do not worry, you of little faith. And I'm like, ouch, that hurt, right? <laughs> you know, I kind of busted. He got me. I worry about these. Do you worry about these things? Do you worry about all this stuff, about, you know, future plans, all this stuff? He says, don't worry. And then he throws in, wow, you of little faith. And it's true. It's a faith issue, isn't it? It's a trust God issue. Do I trust God, my heavenly Father, Jesus, my shepherd, that he's going to provide with the basic things of life. That's the church. Don't worry. Don't worry about these other big things. Just because your Father in heaven knows that you need them and he cares for you. So that's kind of his idea. Do not worry because God cares for you. right? So that, but that's really kind of part of the equation because then he, he, he that's not it though he's really kind of saying so replace you know seeking things with with seeking the kingdom i think john piper says it that way don't I? yeah replace thing seeking with kingdom seeking so replace you know those things that you're seeking right all those things that we seek in life right replace that don't get uptight about those things don't worry about those things don't worry about where my next job is going to be don't worry about that. Instead, seek after my kingdom. Now, notice Jesus doesn't say, he's a realist. You know, he's as real as the tuition that you need to pay. So Jesus doesn't say, don't think about those things, does he? Is that what your Bible says? Does he say, don't think about your retirement? He says, don't think about where your kids are at. He says, don't pray. Does he say, don't pray for justice and get involved? In no, he doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, just don't worry about it. Don't that preoccupy your mind. Don't sweat about that. Don't let that keep you up at night. Don't worry about those things. Because your heavenly father knows it and he cares for you. And then he said, that's not the whole equation. Just to, you know, just don't worry about those things because God cares for you. But then he says, he replaces it with something positive, And that is seek first God's kingdom, right? So he goes on to say that. He says in verse, uh, at the end there, verse 30, 31. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. But seek God's kingdom and these things. These things are what? Well, stuff you're worried about. The basic necessities of life. Those things. Does God know you need these things? Hello? Oh, really? Does God know that you need these things? He does. So don't worry about them. But instead, instead of worry, if you're going to worry about something, but don't worry. If you're going to be concerned about something, 
Be concerned about God's kingdom. That's something you should be concerned about. That's something before you go to bed. Boy, how can I further God's kingdom? That's something you should ponder. So this whole thing here about replacing think about replacing things seeking things in life with kingdom seeking in your life. And I like that. So he's not saying don't think about these things. You know, don't ask someone one of your friends to pray about these things, your kids or whatever. Just saying don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about those things. But instead Seek after my kingdom. In Matthew it says, and my righteousness as well. And I think that's important. What is God's kingdom? Well, it's a big thing, right? So you want to, what is God's kingdom? What's involved? Well, I'll read, <laughs> go back and read all of Luke, right? Because that's, that's about God's kingdom and seeking God's kingdom. Read out Luke chapter 6 about the Sermon on the Plain or the Sermon on the Mount. That talks about God's kingdom. God's kingdom, if you think about a kingdom, an earthly kingdom, what? A kingdom has a king, usually. A kingdom has a territory, right? And a kingdom has subjects, people, right? God's kingdom has a king. His name is who? It's Jesus. He's the king. And his uh, kingdom has subjects. People that follow the king. Hopefully that's us. Those who have surrendered, have uh, asked for forgiveness of our sins, surrendered our life to the kingship of Jesus. And his kingdom has a territory. <laughs> where's the territory? This is a little tricky, this one. But where's the territory? Yeah, that's right. The kingdom lives within you, Right? So seeking first God's kingdom is, God, I want your reign and your rule in, in my life. Not sure about that? Read the Sermon on the Mount. You know, forgiving other people, giving to the poor, seeking, loving God, loving others. So God's kingdom territory is in here. So one thing you can be saying is, Lord, I want to submit to your reign and rule in my life. So me, because your kingdom lives in me, I want to be a blessing where I go. You follow this? So when I go to my work, I want to bring what? My baggage? No, I want to bring my king, your kingdom into this workplace. Your peace, your shalom, your well-being. I want to bring that in your family. Instead of just, you know, stressing everyone out in your family and causing fights or arguments. No. I bring God's kingdom. I bring God's peace. I bring God's well-being. I bring God's love and reconciliation into the neighborhood with First Nation people, with people. I'm bringing God's kingdom wherever I go. When you go out to your running group, you're not there just to run (laughs) or you're sporting. I'm God, help me to bring your kingdom through me to these other people that are around me, right? In the neighborhood, we're bringing as a church, we want to bring God's kingdom to this neighborhood, to the people. Does it make sense? So that's what it means to seek God's kingdom first. I mean, yes, there's a future aspect of God's kingdom, but right now it's saying, God, we pray that. We say, Lord, our Father, what do we say? Who art in heaven, I know King James only, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and earth as it is in heaven. So, so replace things seeking with kingdom seeking. Make God's kingdom the priority of your life. So these things you're stressed about, and let's be honest, we're stressed about things. Well, that's my guess. 
Well, I think it's a pretty good educated guess. Good educated guess. Yeah, we're just worried about things. So just replace that with seeking after God's kingdom. The thing, being a blessing of where you're at. You know, I've heard sometimes, and you know, when you know, God should be first. If you hear this, God should be first, family second, church third, whatever, fourth, five. I don't like that, actually. I don't like that. It really, is, is God should be at the center of your life. And when God's at the center of your life, everything flows out of that. Right? You kind of think of it that, I mean, I've used this before, but you think of a wheel, right? A bicycle wheel. And what's at the center of the wheel? A hub, right? And out of the hub comes what? Spokes, right? So what he's saying, I think, is a better analogy, is put Jesus at the hub of your life. You following? And what a spoke, your family will be affected because Jesus is at the center of your life. Your neighborhood, your, your job, your sports, all these spokes of your life, whatever they are for you, they will be affected. You following? Because Jesus is at the hub, at the center of your life. Your finances will be affected because Jesus is at the hub of your life. Now listen, please. We put other things at the hub of our lives. And let's be honest about that, right? I know you know, Jesus is supposed to be. But we do, don't we? <coughs> don't we? I mean, I do at times, right? We put other things. We may put our money at the center of our lives, right? We may put career at the center of our lives. But just think about that. If money or possessions at the center of your life, then all the spokes of your life are affected by that. So your family is going to be affected because at the center of your life is money. Your church, all relationships, all those things. For some of us, we put our health or our, our, our appearance, our well-being at the center of our life. And every aspect, every spoke of your life will be affected by that. For some of us, we may put the planet at the center of our lives. And I would say that's a good spoke. I just wouldn't say that's a very good center. Some of us put out family and, and friends at the center of our lives. A family and friends are good things. Really good things. But they're not meant to be the center. Because what happens when they disappoint you? What happens when they die? What happens? What happens to your center? It crushes and it crumbles in. The wonderful aspects of life that just weren't meant to be the center, the hub of your life. Only Jesus and his kingdom is meant to be the center, the hub. And all these other spokes flow out of that. Does that make sense? So replace things seeking with kingdom seeking. Make Jesus the center, the hub, the preoccupation. You're going to be fired up about something, concerned about something. Make it God's kingdom. Because that never wears out. Never goes out of style. Never goes out of... It never crushes and crumbles. Isn't that good? Amen. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, replace things seeking with kingdom seeking. Um, I like, I was reading this Tim Keller quote, and I thought it just really got me thinking. He says this. You got to think about this one. I'll leave it up for a second. Every treasure on this earth says, give your life to purchase me. Jesus says, I'm the one treasure who died to purchase you. That makes sense? Just think about that for a second. 
Every treasure, every earthly, every earthly treasure, even though it may be good, says, give your life to purchase me. But Jesus is the one treasure who died to purchase you. And so Jesus, you just follow it towards the end. He kind of makes this point at the end of, in verse um, uh, 33, if you want a practical application about what it means to seek God's kingdom. Oh, here's one. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. That's pretty practical, isn't it? Sell some of your possessions. Doesn't mean all your possessions, maybe, but sell some of them. Give to the poor. Look, at some of you did that. Some, well, maybe, I don't know, you sold your possessions, but you brought clothing at least to help out those who are, who are out in the cold. And then he says, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, kind of a purse, a treasure in heaven that will never f- fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. And then he finishes everything up. He summarizes it with verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, we sometimes want to reverse that, don't we? Am I thinking? Not where your treasure is. He says, he says what? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I think where my heart is, that's where my treasure is. And your treasure is, you know, what you consider, is your, it means the word means precious. What you consider precious. Your heart is not just your feelings, but it's your whole being. But Jesus said, Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also, right? He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So is Jesus the, the, the treasure of your life? <laughs> is Jesus the precious of your life? Is Jesus the hub of your life, right? See, if being really practical, if you want to know if I'm Brian Stewart seeking God's kingdom, don't think, don't do it <laughs> ultimately by... Boy, that was a good message today. But you're really interesting. I love the way you walk down the aisle. It's kind of cool, you know. No, no, if that's anything, that's maybe a gift. And thank God for that. Don't be impressed by that. (laughs) That's maybe a gift God has given me. Don't be impressed. If you want to know I'm putting God's kingdom first, check my bank statement each month. Where I'm investing my money. Check my MasterCard statement each month or over a period of time, right? Check my calendar, what I'm investing my time in. If you were able to think in my mind, what do I daydream about? Wow, you know when you have daydreaming? What do you daydream about? That, if you want to, if you want to know where I'm at, check those things out. Check my bank statement. Check my MasterCard statement. Check where I use my time because though, because... Where my treasure is, what I consider my precious, that's where my heart will go also, right? So if you want a heart for missions, guess what? <laughs> Invest in missions. If you want a heart for the poor and to bless the neighborhood, guess what you do? <laughs> Invest in the poor. Give money. Give your time to that. Because where your treasure is, what? What's going to be there? Your heart will be there also. Make sense? You want a heart for God's kingdom? Well, that's great. Invest your money in that. Invest your time in that. Invest your thinking, your energy in that. So replace things seeking with, with kingdom seeking. So it's kind of the sense, you know, what's the, the center? What's the, yeah, the hub? It's kind of a, 
is what's your precious, right? You know, Lord of the Rings, right? Remember that? And there was that, that desire that everyone wanted to get the ring. And when they got it, what did they call it? Precious. My precious, right? Precious, right? Precious, precious. And it is true. Everyone of, every one of us here, we have a precious. Right? Right? Every one of us in this room, we have a precious. And that precious, Lord of the Ring, that ring, that, that took over people, right? Took everything over to get that precious. Jesus saying, you know, make him the precious of your life. Make his kingdom, his values, the kingdom of your life. Seek after that stuff. He'll look after the other stuff. I mean, yeah, think about it, plan about those things. But don't worry about those things. Because your father cares for you. And so replace that thing-setting seeking mindset with kingdom-seeking mindset. Is that helpful at all? I was reading actually this morning, or early this morning, I came across a, a, a quote by Greg Laurie. And he says this, I thought it was maybe a good way to end. He says, have you as a Christian, he's talking about Christians here, have you as a Christian surrendered your life to Christ? Have you said, Lord, I want your will more than I want my own will. I'm willing to surrender to you now. Because you cannot pray your kingdom come until you first pray my kingdom go. I thought that's a good way to end. Maybe just to meditate on that. Lord, I want your kingdom more than I want my own kingdom. I'm willing to surrender to you now. You just Ponder that silently for a moment. That prayer, Lord, I want your kingdom more than I want my own kingdom. Lord, I surrender. I'm willing to surrender to you now. Lord, I would pray that you would be kind and gracious in showing us what perhaps is our precious, what's our hub, what's our center. You're often very gracious about those things. And we thank you for that. You don't have to be. But I'd ask that you be kind and gracious in showing us where we're off track. And remind us, Lord, that those things besides you that we put at the hub and the center, they just can't withstand the strains and the pressures of life. They weren't meant to, but only you were. So this is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You're always looking for our, our own best interest. And so, Lord, show us about what that means for us individually as a church to keep seeking your kingdom, to replace thing-seeking with your kingdom-seeking. I thank you so much for the people here. I thank you so much for many people as I look around. They have such a heart for you. It's a privilege to be part of this congregation, this group of believers. I pray, Lord, that you'd keep us on track, on focus, about seeking your kingdom first. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.